Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and... And I'm Kevin. And we're coming back at you... <laughs> oh, it's been I a s- little while, okay? Has it been six months? I said six months. Yeah, I think I did too. So yeah, it's it's been a little while, but you know what? I'm uh, halfway through another pregnancy and a few things happened. You know, life. And so, I mean, we do have a love of creating this podcast and I had some time off and, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Ronald Gene Simmons, weirdly enough. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's what I do. So anyways, I decided that I need to tell this dude's story because I don't know a lot of people that know this story and it's kind of crazy. It's more than kind of crazy. You know, I'm one of those people that don't know much about this story. So. <laughs> you don't know much? Yeah, and I... I, th- Just a warning. It's going to be a two-parter. Uh, probably only a couple days apart. I swear not six months. Partially because I have to leave for Sacramento tomorrow. And I didn't want to half-ass the second... Like, the part that, like, gets crazy. And so we're going to do the a meat? lot of the... Yeah, kind of the, the meat, meat, but, like... A lot of the buildup is very meaty in a very terrible way. So you'll definitely get your dose of unfortunate true crime this episode. But you'll get a whole lot more next episode. But it really, I, there's just so much buildup to what happens. And and we'll, we'll talk about it. So, yeah. All I know about this story is it's real fucked. And so... That is my little um, warning to yeah sensitive listeners. So just a trigger warning. It does involve murder, rape, incest. Yeah, that's pretty about much. It. The I mean, whole that's yeah. I mean, fucked up shit. The first half is gonna probably only deal so much with the rape and incest, um, and then the second half will deal with the murders. So yeah, sorry. I'm, I am. I actually am sorry. It's it's a it's a shitty story, but it's bonkers. Like, and and I tried to do as much research as possible. You know, give it a given a limited amount of time. I mean, I spent like six hours researching and reading as many websites and excerpts from novels and listening to stuff as I could to kind of give you the best i feel like overview of his life before he went on his killing spree so with that are you ready to begin i can't wait to hear about all this shit you could probably wait but i mean you've waited six months so i used a lot of sources but just to name a few that were like very 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 helpful murderpedia of course I also used a lot of population websites. We won't go into too much detail, but it was kind of interesting to learn about places that I will never go to in my entire life, like Hector, Arkansas, you know, and I also used the Encyclopedia of Arkansas, specifically the entry on Ronald Gene Simmons. I also took a meander at his Wikipedia page, which was very helpful in listing his family members' ages at the time of their deaths. That was not necessarily clear from a lot of other publications. There's there's also this really amazing three-parter article by Janie Jones from About You Magazine. And man, everything she writes is amazing. And so I just want to give her major props because she gave a lot of shape to the story, I guess. She definitely was like the most deep dive of all of the sources that I went through. And her three-parter article was called Lambs to the Slaughter, and it was in three parts. Amazing work. She did really, really amazing work. 
And I did some, I also got some newspaper articles from the time period from like local newspapers that were covering the story. So lots, and then a lot of other stuff. Everything will be posted to the episode notes as usual with links to each of the things that I used. But I did use these sources fairly heavily because like it's bonkers. Like there's a lot of direct quotes from witnesses and from letters that you'll you'll hear. So it was like super duper useful information. All right, so here it goes. You ready? <laughs> Buckle up. In six days from December 22nd to December 28th of 1987, Ronald Jean Simmons, a.k.a. the hillbilly from hell, began a killing spree that would go on record as the worst mass murder in Arkansas history and the worst crime involving one family in the history of the country. I believe that's still true to this day. That's crazy, right? It's it's crazy that like he isn't as well known as Bundy or I don't know any other kind of basic ass bitch that killed people, right? I Ronald think, Gene Simmons. Yes, there's a Gene Simmons that's very famous. I get that. And he does go by Gene. But I mean I'm glad he's not like a celebrated piece of shit. Maybe the cooler Gene Simmons did some sort of like cease and desist on, Maybe I on did. the name. Yeah, I mean, and I also think that spree killers just don't get as much recognition because they're not as like, what's the word, like crafty maybe as like a serial killer. And I hate using positive terminology to describe. When you say describe. recognition, do you mean like fame? Yeah, I mean, how many, like who doesn't know who Bundy is? Should who doesn't know who these- Gacy no, 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 no. They shouldn't be absolved of their sins. Not absolved, exalted. Oh, so, okay. No, no no one should be exalted. But I'm just saying, if you even want to replace the word with notoriety or whatever, um, you can replace it with like studied, you know, the most studied serial killers, like in terms of like criminology or shows, documentaries made about these f- pieces of shit. You know what I mean? There's Dahmer, there's Gacy, there's Gein, like all of these guys are like household names. They're almost like, like mythical at this point. Exactly. And I think that's, and again, Gein wasn't a serial killer, but like, he's fucking weird though. Um, They're all fucking weird. I mean, killers are weird. Okay. Just saying. I don't know if you know that. This podcast, we're going to talk about some fucking weirdos. Okay. And this guy is up top, man. Okay. And obviously this happened in 87. Of course, when we think of family annihilators, a lot of times the first one's like, what's the first one that comes to your head? Fuck, I don't know. Oh, you don't really think about Finally <laughs> No, I was thinking like Master Puppets kind of thing came out in 87 or something. Yeah. Uh, Chris Watts obviously was like a recent one. And that one guy, I want to say John Lott, but he was, it was that creepy one where he like killed his whole family. Like he pre- pretended to go to work and stuff like that. I think all of them where they kill their whole family is pretty creepy. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk about family annihilation and spree killers and all that and kind of like discern between them and like what they mean. Like right now. Okay. Ready? Let's, okay. Get, let's do it. Let's do it. So during his murderous spree, he took the lives of 14 members of his family, 14 fucking members of his own family. Yeah, his little tree has lots of branches, right? And there's some branches that are a little overloaded that should have sprouted something new, but we'll get to that, okay? And he killed two of his former uh, co-workers. So 16 people in a span of six days. The perpetrator of family annihilations frequently commits suicide after the initial act of violence. Well, not unlike Chris Watts, but like I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, of course, right now. I mean, the second we turn this off, 18 people are going to come to mind and then I'm going to want to edit, but I'm not going to. But lots of family annihilators, annihilators also kill themselves. But this case does not fit any mold because occasionally the killer does survive. So according to Shelby Lynn Erdman's Atlanta Journal-Constitution article, called what is the difference between a serial killer spree killer and mass murderer she writes federal authorities and criminologists actually classify people who kill more than one person into three different groups serial killers spree killers and mass murderers the dictionary defines a serial killer as quote a person who kills more than one victim in more than one location in a very short period of time end quote 
But according to the FBI, that definition actually reflects the behavior of a spree killer. So a spree killer is someone who kills two or more victims over a short period of time without a cooling off period, the FBI says. Spree killers don't resume their normal lives in between killings like serial killers do, according to psychology today. So like we were saying, like a Bundy, a Gacy, I think that cooling off period and the ability to like code switch between murderous piece of shit and like normal family man, BTK, you know, like all of those guys, Dexter, not real, but Dexter's not real. It's not a documentary, no. So I think that's part of the mystique or the mythology or whatever you want to call it, is that ability to code switch, to be able to switch between lives. like Because it insinuates like a personality disorder. It gets, I think that's what why people get so fascinated by serial killers is that, wow, you can do that. You can just switch that murderous um, you know, tendency on and off. And I think that's amazing to people. Do you think that might be part of it? Like being able to kill in one breath and then the next say, hey, honey, what do you want for breakfast? It's insane. It's totally insane. <laughs> and I think that that's, it's that dis, it's this, that suspension of disbelief or whatever you want to call it that I think attracts people. I hate that word. I don't like using positive terminology when I'm talking about these guys, but like I think that's what attracts people to it. Like someone like a spree killer, like a Chris Watts or something. Eh, he's not even a spree killer. He's just a family annihilator piece of shit. Um, I don't we know. He might be a spree hairs. killer. Yeah, but I'm just saying like I think there's less intrigue when it's a short period of time. Like, for instance, can you even remember? Okay, you know that. Uh, what's that one? The... Las Vegas shooting. Do you remember that guy's name? Well. Do you? What's his name? It was the Saudi prince. Okay. Okay. We're not going to go down a conspiracy theory. The white guy. His name was Gary something. Exactly. Can you name like a million serial killers? That guy didn't do that. Okay. All right. Bad example. That's another episode. That, nah, I don't know if I want to do that episode. But I'm just saying, like, look into it. That's all. We're I'm not as like the DC snipers. Like, they're another example of like a spree killer. I can't tell you their names off the top of my head. Father son team. team. Is a father son yeah. team. Yeah. Is there an issue with that one too? Um. <laughs> n- not that I know. Okay. Of. I mean, we could. I could find something. I'm sure you could, but le- I'm luckily I'm the one doing the research here, so lucky you can, for you guys. So yeah. you can trust what you're hearing today. <laughs> yeah, you can trust it. Yeah, we'll let you do the Mandalay Bay shooting at some other point. But like, even like school it's a pretty shooters. Crazy story. I know, but I'm just saying. Even like, can you remember the Columbine shooters' names? Dylan and um, Theobald. I don't remember the second. Derek Harris and Dylan Klebold? De- Eric Harris? But I'm just saying exactly like their names like spree killers, mass murderers, their names escape us. Where, I didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz. I uh, well, no, there always is with me. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And I you, should know you, this by you, now. And you failed. So I'm just, <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't do great either. But I'm just saying like, again, I think there's something to that, that there's something to, anyways, I'll get off of this horse, but just wanted to write it for a little bit. Okay. So the maximum duration between murders and spree killing is generally considered to be seven days. Serial killers, on the other hand, may cool off for weeks, months, and in rare instances, even years between murders. Case in point, BTK and Green River Killer. Can you remember his name? Gary Ridgeway. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, those are... I mean, you probably know Green River Killer and BTK better than what was BTK's name. I don't know. You don't know? I don't study this. I I actually go to sleep at night instead of <laughs> think about all this crazy Listen shit. To true crime. Dennis Rader. Yeah, that's so. Right. Dennis Rader is BTK. Gary Ridgeway was Green River. But I'm just saying they have all right, I'm a, like I'm a true crime poser. Okay. <laughs> But, but they even have, and that's Someone's part. Put the thing so together. again, like there's, you know, the mythology, like you were, you did, that was something good. You said, good job. But like that mythology and like the, the kind of like 
bated breath, you know, that people live under when a serial killer is on the loose. They get names like the Green River Killer, the, the Night Zodiac, Stalker, was the, the Night Stalker. Do you know his name? Richard Ramirez. Okay, that's the only one you know. I was satanic. growing up when he was around. So yeah, yeah. Kind of well, like and also, you know, we were around during this. So in '87, how old were you? God, Probably you 20. were 11. You were 11 years old in 87. I wasn't even born yet. No, I'm joking. I was three. So, but like we, this was in our lifetimes and I obviously don't remember hearing about this. I was three. You were into true crime when you were three? <laughs> Loser. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Please. The lack of a cooling off period is the difference between a spree killer and a serial killer, the FBI says. This is very different than serial killers who are much more likely to stalk and target complete strangers who somehow fulfill deranged and secret fantasies that only they understand. A mass murder is defined as the killing of a large number of people, usually in one place, like the 2017 attack in Las Vegas. Probably not the best example to use right now because Kevin doesn't agree when 58 people were shot. Regardless, 58 people were shot to death from a window of the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino. So this dude, our dude, unfortunately, our dude for today, Ronald Gene Simmons, he falls under spree killer. Because it didn't all happen in one day. If he if he killed just the... So we're going to talk about December 22nd in part two. But if he had just done December 22nd, then he would actually be a mass murderer. Because it was a large number of people, I believe, in one day. But then because he had that minor cooling off period over six days and killed 16 people total, he it makes him a spree killer. Not a serial killer because it, it has to be more than seven days between kills. Okay. So that's I'm all of that is to say he's a spree killer. Okay. And a family a family annihilator. Sounds kind of technical. It is. But all you need to know, all I want you guys to take away from that is this guy, not only is he a piece of shit, but if we're using FBI classification, he is a spree killer and family annihilator. Don't invite him over for Christmas. <laughs> I, la I laugh because it's true. I would never want to invite this guy over for anything ever. Yeah. You want to pick it up here? So Amy wants me to read these lyrics. From you don't have to read song. them all, but I'm just saying like macabre. So if you don't know who macabre is, they're a silly band that I actually don't like because I'm a poser. Do you like macabre? I like macabre. Okay. Is everything they sing about true crime related? Like about serial killers? Uh, they didn't start out that way, Oh, okay. but it kind of ended up where, uh, I'm spacing the name of the record, but, uh, one of their early records was all, every song was about a different serial killer. And so that kind of like set the tone for the rest of it. was like of, a theme. Yeah. Uh, as the English teachers would say, maybe a recurring motif in their work. I was hoping you'd say motif <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> So yeah, I know because I couldn't so, think of that word for like. I'm not three gonna days. read all the lyrics because. But you got some choice cuts. Didn't. Uh, yeah. So here's the chorus: Merry Christmas. He gunned his family down. His bullets were their presents. Dead relatives all around. Aww. I mean, what else do I need to say? Happy New Year. One they won't be here to see. It's the holiday of horror because of Ronald Gene Simmons. That doesn't even rhyme. It doesn't. It's the thought that counts. Well, it's not a very good thought. I don't like macabre. I'm sorry. I saw them once and they were all wearing overalls. Is that their thing? With like no shirts on. Am I having a recovered? Like am I having More a like false a memory? like onesie PJs, like the old timey with the oh, butt flap kind of thing. Okay, like, so their thing is like, to look like inbred like hillbillies. hillbillies yeah. oh. Sinister Slaughter was the name of that record. Oh, good thing. I knew it was now, gonna, yeah. now everyone's going to rush out and their iTunes is going to go crazy. It's a banger. All right. Well, Ronald Gene Simmons was born on July 15th, 1940 in Chicago, Illinois to Loretta and William Simmons. He most commonly went by Gene. So that's how we're going to refer to him in this episode. Even though there are some cool genes out there, he is just not one of them. Just a few years ago. <laughs> like Gene Simmons. Yeah, Wait, is it, what what about who's the other Simmons? Richard Simmons. That's who I'm thinking. He's a pretty cool. Well, he's not he's a Gene. Cool. I know, but he's, he's a just Simmons. a Simmons. Yeah. There's Gene Hoagland. He's pretty cool. Who is he again? Is he in like Dawkins or something? 
Uh, he was the drummer for Dark Angel, and he's oh. played in. Uh, he was the drummer for Death Clock. Oh, uh, he's talking th- about posers. Posers. Death Clock isn't that the like it's metal cartoon? cartoon? Yeah. yeah, it's not like a he's real the drummer band. for that. Oh, cool. Have you even heard it? Yes, I have. It's silly. Well, it's a cartoon. Yeah. It's so what's cool. macabre? Macabre is about as serious as that metalocalypse. That's what it was called, right? Metalocalypse, yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry. Keep going. Uh, are you thinking of other jeans? I'm trying to, but I, mean, I guess we'll, we'll just move on. Jean, jeans are cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we passed on some pretty cool jeans to our daughter. <laughs> Oh, those guys. I meant like denim jeans. I know what you're talking about. So just a few years after Gene's birth, his father died of a stroke. Within a year, Simmons' mother married again, this time to William D. Griffin, a civil engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. The new family moved to Little Rock in 1946. They would continue moving due to his stepfather's job over the next decade. In the fall of 1957, Gene dropped out of school and joined the Navy. His first station was Kitsap Naval Base in Bremerton, Washington, just west of Seattle in the Puget Sound region. There, he met Bersabe, Good. Rebecca, Becky, Becky. Ulibari. They married a few years later in 1980 in New Mexico. Becky liked Jean's stepfather right away and would stay in touch with him for the rest of her life. On her side of the family, she was closest to her sister, Violet, or V. Becky adored Jean but suffered from low self-esteem, and when he scolded her for some small reason, she just resolved to be a better wife. The couple had seven children over their 21 years of marriage. Ronald Jean Simmons Jr., 26. And these ages are all the ages they were at the time of their death, just so you know. Sheila Simmons McNulty, 24. William Billy Simmons II, 21. Loretta Simmons, 17. Eddie Simmons, 14. Marianne Simmons, 11. And Rebecca Becky Simmons, 8. At the time of Becky's birth, her doctor strongly advised against having any more children. Gene scoffed at this. However, he relented and Becky Sr. had a tubal ligation to prevent the birth of any more children. However, Gene didn't let that branch of the family tree stop there. He also had a granddaughter with his wife, which was also his daughter. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, her name was Sylvia Gale McNulty. Seven? That's the... Gra- what? Okay. That's the how old she was when she died. Sorry, spoiler alert. They're all going to die. So that's the granddaughter. That's the granddaughter daughter. That he had with... That's his daughter, but it's also his granddaughter. Gotcha, You'll, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. He eventually had a total of four grandchildren. Barbara Simmons, William H. Trey Simmons III, and Michael McNulty. To my knowledge, the last three grandchildren were really just his grandchildren. There were a whole new branch on the family tree. That doesn't make sense. Because the other grandchildren were on the same branch as his children. That does make sense. So the three grandchildren he did not have with Becky. He, like The three grandchildren were actually his grandchildren, not his kids too. So they're actual offspring from his children, not from his loin yes. directly. Well, I guess we can keep this all in there. Yes. It okay. does actually make sense. Because if you were making a family tree, you would have to draw a whole new branch for grandchildren. But Sylvia, she's on. That's a split branch. Do you see <laughs> what I mean? Yes. We'll get there. We're going to get there okay. in detail. Sorry. It was just a moment. Well, your mind doesn't go there, right? Maybe it I'm shouldn't. just too decent of a human being. Yeah. Thank you. You are. Okay. okay. In 1963, Simmons left the Navy. Over the subsequent two years, he tried his hand at a career in banking, which lasted all of four months. 
After a bit more meandering, Gene once again pledged his oath to the U.S. military, but this time joined the Air Force and was transferred to the Office of Special Investigations stationed in Vietnam. Being with the OSI appealed to his secretive nature, and he received promotions, commendations, and special privileges for his efficiency and dedication to duty. This is where he would be awarded the Bronze Star for exhibiting coolness under pressure during the 1968 Tet Offensive, even though the OSI was not attacked. He also received the Republic of Vietnam Cross for his service as an airman and the Air Force Ribbon for excellent marksmanship. Oof, that's kind of ominous. <laughs> no, don't laugh. No, I, yeah, no, we, we laugh. He's a trained killer. Yeah, he's a trained killer, exactly. After Vietnam, he was assigned to San Francisco, where he was absolutely disgusted by the hippies and flower power. In 1973, he was transferred to England, and it was there he began to beat Becky. His wife, yeah. Yeah. Gene was an avid reader and thinker of myriad... That's how you use the word correctly. Not a myriad? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. You can say a myriad topics is fine. I looked it up. (laughs) Gene was an avid reader and thinker of myriad topics. He always thought that he was the smartest person in the room and was often combative when anyone contradicted or disagreed with him. He was often sarcastic, especially with Becky, ridiculing her countryfied accent in public. He controlled every aspect of his family's lives. Pope County Sheriff James Bolin said Gene censored the family's mail by maintaining sole access to their post office box. Sheriff Bolin said there was a phone in the house, but Simmons would not let it be hooked up. Gene also discouraged his wife and daughters from wearing makeup and, quote, didn't want them looking good, especially his wife. In 1976, Gene was assigned to the Space and Missile Systems Organization at Cloudcroft, New Mexico. Based on the latest 2022 data from the U.S. Census, the current population of Cloudcroft is 777. How mystical. Mm -hmm. It is the 11,000... 316th largest city <laughs> I just in the was a U.S. Wow, that's a real standout. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that statistic. Gene yeah. still had aspirations to one day return to Hector, Arkansas. You know, heaven on earth. <laughs> With a name like Hector, who wouldn't want to live there? The current population of Hector, Arkansas, teeters around 400, according to the latest U.S. Census. It is the 307th largest city in Arkansas (laughs) and the 20,424th largest city in the United States. So smaller. So, I mean, part of why I put in this data, too, is to kind of show you he purposely wanted to live rurally and whitely. Oh, okay. There was a point to all this. Kind of. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, I mean, so according to the latest census, 97% of people that live in Hector, Arkansas are white. That's a very high percent. I mean, granted, there's only about 400 people that live there. And they're all related. So, <laughs> And literally, it was just, it was just a fun, I've just never seen this. Two or more races, 3.29%. Black or African American, 0%. This is current day, 2023. Native American, 0%. Asian, 0%. Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, 0%. Other races, 0%. Like David Cross would say, it stays white out later here. Jeez. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Okay, well, there's the rundown. So Gene retired on November 30th, 1979 at the rank of Master Sergeant but stayed in Cloudcroft and became a civil service employee for the Air Force's Computer Sciences Division. For such a piece of shit, like, he is a piece of shit, and he will continue to be a piece of shit until his death, but, like, he actually had a fairly impressive resume at this point, you know what I mean? And places still, like, want him. It's weird. He's a manipulative person. Gene was also well-known in Cloudcroft, New Mexico. 
He was someone many people in town feared. A friend of his daughter said, quote, he had a beer in his hand all the time. He had one little room. He would stay in all the time. It was dark and seemed spooky and it stunk. So as I mentioned earlier, Gene began raping his daughter after his wife could not bear him any more children. And I think that there's a direct correlation between those things. Okay, so... So that branch... Warning, we're just going to jump into that. Well, we gave a warning at the beginning of the show, but yeah. So he became sexually obsessed with his then 16-year-old daughter, Sheila. She had always been his favorite child, and he never tried to hide that fact. He called Sheila Little Princess and Ladybug. And of all the kids, she always got the best presents at Christmas and on her birthday. He loved taking pictures with her and hanging them up. In the summer of 1980, Gene went on a car trip to California with Sheila as his only traveling companion. And it was on this trip that he raped Sheila for the first time. This secret sexual relationship that she was forced to have with him made her shy and withdraw from others. She knew what was happening wasn't normal or right, but she felt she couldn't tell him no. She had a lifetime of fearing him behind her. She was ashamed, and when she realized she was going to have a baby with him, she tried to hide the truth not just from her family and from others, but from herself as well. Once she really started to show, it was only a matter of time before she would have to come out to her family. On a day that really should have been every high school girl's special night, ended up being a nightmare. So it was on the day of her senior prom in 1981, Jean told his wife, Becky, and their oldest children, Jean Jr. and Billy, that Sheila was pregnant with his child. He just came out and said it. The family was rightfully disgusted, but Becky, his wife, was shocked. <laughs> how do you, how do you I, just come out and say that shit? I, well, so what's weird is that he was, like, proud of it. He was, wow. like, a lot of sources said, like, jubilant exuberant joyful happy celebratory like it's fucking gross but he was like excited about the prospect of having having a new child because remember his wife can't bear him any more children he's one of these people dude it's like the quiverful movement like the more arrows you have the greater a warrior you are you know what i mean have you heard of the quiverful movement I think I know what you're getting at. It's just someone who likes to have lots of kids, basically, as like God's warriors. I don't think they were particularly religious or anything, but I mean, I I didn't see a lot of that in the research or anything, but I just think that to him, his seed was powerful and he wanted to continue his line, his lineage, you know? Just like Epstein. Yep. A lot like him. Fucking sickos. So like I said, Gene was weirdly excited, but even though he was a huge rapey piece of shit... He was no dummy. He knew that what he did was illegal and that he could be arrested for it. So he swore his family to secrecy. Gene Jr. disobeyed his father and reported the crime to a social worker. Jesus, like fucking hero, right? Who investigated and filed a request with the DA to remove Gene's daughters from the home for their own safety. Additionally, people reported that they saw... Jean giving Sheila more than friendly kisses goodbye each morning, which also got the neighborhood talking. So there was already, I know, there was already kind of like some cheese or like gossip or tea, whatever you want to say, happening around the neighborhood. But that's the thing. He very specifically chose places and neighborhoods where not a lot of people would see what he was doing because he liked to do a lot of fucked up shit behind closed doors so again one of the reasons i included some census data is again i think he's intentionally picking these communities with neighbors aren't aren't you know quite a ways away you know so this all came to a head in 1981 and it's reported that upon learning that her husband raped their daughter becky never had sex with him ever again you know duh she tried to leave him on numerous occasions, but always returned, probably and most likely a mixture of guilt about leaving her kids behind with this monster and being financially independent of Jean. She just didn't have any money of her own. Witnesses who were interviewed later on remarked that they had noticed bruises on Rebecca's face and on her arms on numerous occasions, 
Yet this too went unreported. I'm yeah. I, I mean, I it was the culture, unfortunately. Like, oh, you, you know, you don't mess with another man's household, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. It's fortunately different now, but God, that that culture, you know. By the time a warrant was issued for Jean's arrest, the Simmons family was well on their way to Hector, Arkansas. Gene was not only happy to evade the law, but also he wanted to try to recapture some of his childhood happiness in this small town. Uh, they didn't quite make it to Hector, though. They rented a house in Ward, Arkansas. But his long-term plan was to eventually buy a home in Hector and move there. Ward is a city located in Lenoke, or Lenoke County, Arkansas, with a 2023 population of 6,646. It was definitely the largest city of Big all time, of it. Yeah. And he, he didn't he didn't want to be there. He he genuinely did not want to be there. Every day he was looking at advertisements, uh, real estate advertisements to get the fuck out of there because it was too big for him. That's and 12,000 eyes looking at him. Well, and, and again, this is the 2023 daughter. census data, so probably less back in like 1980s. But it is the 57th largest city in Arkansas and the 5,542nd largest city in the United States. So again, quite considerably larger than the other places we've talked about. So again... Not a place that made him very happy. And it's actually really interesting. I was looking at the current stats and it's one of the only cities I've seen statistics like this for, but it's a very up and coming city. And so like I was looking at the median ages of the other cities and it was like 50, 40. The median age of Ward, Arkansas is 28, which is really young. So it's happening. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like how I guess Portland was like in the early 2000s almost. You know, it's this up and coming city. They have an annual growth of about three percent each year, and like really, really. I think what's what happens is kind of like Portland that people live in the larger cities and kind of get pushed out and want to start families. You know, and then that's what drops the median age is these new families coming into town. Anyway, probably all methed out and oxycodone. Yeah, I know. I I'd like to imagine that Ward, Arkansas, is a cool place. Maybe we'll visit it one day. Let's take a family trip. Maybe it's a diamond in the rough. Maybe it's really, <laughs> it's probably cheap to stay there. <laughs> yeah. Gene went to work at the Veterans Administration Medical Center in Little Rock, Arkansas, but ended up at the recruiting office. He still owed thousands of dollars on the mortgage property they had in New Mexico still and was not gaining enough to support Becky and the six children that were still living at home. This included Sylvia Gale, the product of his incestuous relationship he had with his daughter. The weird branch. Yeah, the branch that got a little has a couple of twigs on it. Unfortunately, the relationship continued after the move to Arkansas. And I say relationship fucking loosely. The fucking abuse continued in when by you know when they moved to Arkansas. And by yeah. the end of 1983, Sheila got pregnant again. And although he was vocally and morally opposed to abortion when other people did it, he made an exception for Sheila and made her go get a procedure done in Dermot, Arkansas. While they were living in Ward, Sheila enrolled at the Drawfin, I don't know, I think that's right, Drawfin, Drawfin School of Business in Little Rock, where she met fellow student Dennis McNulty. They fell in love. She felt that she could confide in him, and before too long, they were engaged to be married. Finally, something good for her after so many years of horrific sexual abuse. Jean continued to look for a place in Hector, but settled on a place just outside of Dover, which is about 1,328 people, according to the 2021 census. And it was about 12 miles away from where he grew up. I'm assuming near Hector. The family moved onto a 13-acre tract of land that would become known as Mockingbird Hill. The residence was constructed of two older model mobile homes, joined to form one large home and was surrounded by a makeshift privacy fence as high as about 10 feet in some places. The home did not have a telephone or indoor plumbing. This is 19 what? Did I say 83? That's fucking crazy. Sounds like a cave to me. It's fucking two mobile homes smashed together. You know what I mean? With no indoor plumbing. How disgusting. Mockingbird Hill sat on a drive that Jean nicknamed Little Princess Lane in honor of Sheila. Isn't that creepy? 
kind of reminds me of Fox Hollow Farms a little bit, like naming your property. I mean, like, I was just thinking, like, what constitutes naming a place? You know, anyways, gross, weird, creepy. I think when you throw buckets of feces into the yard, yeah, it's yours. Which we'll talk about a cesspit later on. The family lived at the house with not too much to report, mostly because they lived very rurally and in fear of their father and husband. Some of the only documentation from this time period comes from Loretta, Jean's second oldest daughter, who was 17 in 1987, an honor student in the senior class at Dover High School at the time of her death. We know some about their home life because of at least two letters she was able to get to her friend and schoolmate, Karen Warnick, also 17, during the summer before her death. In the letters, Loretta said she was cut off from contact with friends because her father would not let her drive, and the family had no phone service. Loretta reported that she was depressed by her home life and her limited access to friends. Loretta wrote, quote, We don't have to go anywhere. I really just need to be with just a friend to try to cheer up. I'd rather be dead than go on like this. End quote. And another quote, My dad hates me says I'm not good enough, yet he claims I'm conceited. And you can't talk to my mom about anything. She doesn't understand. End quote. Now that his beloved Sheila was gone and getting married, she wasn't as obedient as she used to be. When she announced her plans to marry Dennis, Jean felt betrayed. Regardless of his anger or objections, Sheila became Mrs. Dennis McNulty in September 1984 and moved with her new husband to his hometown of Camden. During this period of time, he told Sheila that he would see her in hell. By this time, his two oldest sons, Gene Jr. and Billy, also started families of their own. Gene's control and power over everyone and everything was shrinking. He tried to substitute Loretta for Sheila, but his second oldest daughter was smarter and more independent than her bigger sister had been. And I also think she saw the abuse and was like, oh, fuck no, that's not me, you know. Loretta, who had made friends at school, was openly sarcastic with her father. And Becky, who was becoming more resourceful, and this is Becky, the wife. Right. Uh, she devised ways to communicate with her grown children and her sister, V. Behind his back, she actually would call him names like Fatso and like other quote unquote mean nicknames, although they were all true. Fatso. I mean, it's I know it's minor, but harsh. still they were gaining, you know, the whole family. They were gaining confidence and independence away from Jean. Like many other family annihilators, Jean's life at this point was spiraling out of control, which if we know anything about family annihilators is not a good time. It's and he all had, about control. Yeah, and he had no life raft to hold on to. To make ends meet, he had to work a few low-paying menial occupations. By 1985, he was working two jobs, one at Sinclair Mini Mart, the one with the dinosaur. That's where, Is that where the dinosaurs work in the dinosaurs? I think so. I think so. Are you really asking me that? Uh, yeah. I thought you know that show really well. And in Russellville and the other one, his other job was at Woodline Motor Freight, also in Russellville. Besides being the clerk with the least seniority at Woodline, he also had to submit himself to work under the authority of a woman supervisor. Oh, Whew. what? I know. I know. And it's, again, oh, like okay. being, you know. Okay. In a life, in a military life, you know, especially in the 60s, 70s, 80s, he never had to do this before. So this was literally the first time in his life he had to work underneath a woman. And his supervisor, a woman, Joyce Butts. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't going to laugh at that, but it looks funny. Had the nerve. She had the fucking nerve to criticize him for not doing things correctly and went so far as to put in an official reprimand in his personnel file. She's probably on the rag. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like, anyways. So, again, you're starting to see the cracks, right? Are the cracks forming for you? He sounds like a loser. Well, yes, he sounds like a loser. Daughter. But I'm just saying, but like, do you see the cracks starting to form? Like he's lost, 
I mean, he's this is a guy who I'm again, I'm not fucking standing up for him here. I'm just saying this is a guy who's used to being awarded medals. This is a guy who is used to being exalted and respected. And now he's he like the gold medal of incest. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying like he's cracking like you can start to see the cracks happening. So probably feeling sorry for himself and needing to assert his dominance over someone he tries to establish a personal relationship with a 24-year-old woman named Kathy Kendrick, who also worked at the Woodline Freight Machinery Place. And he brought her flowers and tried to persuade her to go out with him. And if you can see a picture of this <laughs> motherfucker. Um, That's what girls like is being persuaded to go out with like, him. Hey, but he's an ugly, balding, wispy, chubby awkward terrible looking man and i don't know what kathy kendrick looks like but she's got to be better looking than him you know what i mean and also she's 24 and he's at least twice her age at this point you know i'm not going to do the math but what he was born in 40 and we're talking about this is like 87 yeah he's like literally twice her age he's like at least 47 at this point maybe he had a cool car nope he did not so uh when his Advances went unwanted and unnoticed. Kendrick told Butts. I noticed. Okay, she noticed it. Sorry, <laughs> maybe I, 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 uh, I free, I freelined that one, but <laughs> she just didn't give a fuck, yeah, and so like she, a, she told on him. So she told Butts, like this guy's got a butt out of my shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Butts. This cunt's got a butt out of my shit. Yeah. And so she, so Butts was for, I'm sorry, it's hard to see that name. I basically. like it. So Butts reprimanded him again, and this was the last straw for Gene, and he quit. I mean, it is pretty. It, everything shameful. about, yeah. Well, he's a piece of shit. Getting dogged out by Butts. And like and a chick a who butts. he probably, again, he a chick he probably views as beneath him. You know what well, I mean? Everyone use every girl. Beneath. Yeah, that's true. So at home, he stayed in his room a lot alone, drinking more and more and lamenting the loss of his daughter love and how ineffective he was at ruling his home with an iron fist. Like I said, he was balding and looked more like a hairy ogre every day. Loretta told a classmate that her father was, quote, a drunken bum. And despite all the improvements he forced his children to make on this 18th acre spread mockingbird hill looked like a dump in short simmons was a piece of shit failure of a man so consequently his wife becky she continued to gain her self-confidence but again she stayed with gene for the sake of the children she didn't think it was possible to raise them and support them without his financial help whether how little or how much that would be and in 1987, her grown children and V finally convinced her that she would be able to draw some sort of like a pension from his military benefits and be able to stick him with some kind of form of child support if she took him to court. Plus, she had already threatened to turn him into the police. So, she, again, she could blackmail him True. with a paternity test. I don't know if they existed in the They may have not existed in the 80s. But, yeah, they did. But everybody knew. Everybody knew that that... That granddaughter of his was also his daughter. Feeling festive and happy for the first time in a long time, Becky, his wife, coordinated with her oldest kids and their families to spend the upcoming Christmas together. They had quite the extended family at this point, and although piece of shit Jean would be there, they had the strength in numbers. Everyone in the family hated Jean, so they could easily drown out his antics on that special day. Once Gene got word of the plan, he too started planning his own kind of Christmas surprise. He quit his job at the Mini Mart. So again, he had already quit his job at the Woodline place. Where under he, butts. Under butts. And now he was quitting his second job. So he has no job at this point. And this is like in December of 1987. And on Friday the 18th. So, oh, so this was on Friday the 18th. Okay. He quit his second job. And it was right around this time, and he had his kids, the ones I'm assuming that still lived at home, dig 
a large cesspit behind their home. You know, the kind you put your garbage in cesspool stuff in so okay the the kind you put your garbage and sewage in if you don't want to pay for a trash service and just a reminder this is 1987 not 1887 yeah so a cesspit would be uh where you throw your uh, honey bucket yeah because again remember this place doesn't have indoor plumbing so I think he did it under the guise of, hey, this is going to be where you throw our poop and garbage and then we'll cover it's compost. it. compost. Yeah. So on December 22nd, 1987, Gene went out to the local Walmart. God, Walmart is literally in every single true crime story and bought a 22 caliber handgun. And this is where we will pick back up with... Very, very soon. In the next couple of days. Swear. Kind of have to because I'm going to be writing the rest of it when I'm in my hotel room in Sacramento at an educational conference. TMI. Well, I'm just saying. I will have time to finish it and do justice to the family. I don't even know. I don't know if there's any. There's no justice to be had. It's to the listeners. Yeah. It's a it's a fucked up story. You owe it to them to finish this on time. I'm just saying, like, you can see that <laughs> this just, is going nowhere yeah, good. Yeah, no, it's not going anywhere good. Fast. Yeah, no, it's going we bad. We got six days. He quit his job and he bought a gun. That's, that's a bad sign. That is a very bad sign. So, you can tune in next time uh, where we, I forget this part. We continue talking out the trash. Yeah, and that's it. We'll just leave it there. What about all the social media stuff? Oh, I don't know. Are we going to post a social media? Yeah, we have a... I, you are the one on Twitter. You like Twitter. I tweet. He'll tweet. I'll, I don't tweet, actually. I just look at tweets. Okay, you'll tweet. I'm a all tw- Facebook and Instagram. I'm a troll. And then we'll, you'll scream out the rooftop, hey, a new episode is out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch six balloons from the driveway, and that means a new episode's out. And this episode is dedicated to Christine... Because she said she was very excited for us to put out a new episode. And she said she didn't believe it. So, Christine, if you're still listening at the very end of this, good job. You if are our most awake, loyal through, listener. You get one of these balloons we're going to launch. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Chinese yeah. balloons. Yeah, okay. All right. Weird times we're living in, eh? It's, it's 1130 at night. It's I got to go to Amy's bed. bedtime. She's very pregnant and she's got a big day tomorrow. I need to take a shower. All right. Tune in next time where we continue talking out the trash. Have a wonderful day. Try not to think about Ronald Gene Simmons. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>